0: This is The Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. Sponsored by Amazon, Audible, HostGator, Gamefly, and supporters of independent media like you. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Mike Figueredo, and this is The Humanist Report podcast, and this is episode 49. We are one away from 50. That is insane to me. Uh, so today's episode is sponsored by our latest members on HumanistReport.com. Today, we have several people. We have Richard Dooch, who is a new member. We also have Aaron and Rachel Clark, who are VIP members. And we also have Ryan Hamlet, another VIP member who also sent in a donation. You guys are just so amazing. Uh, The passion that you guys have for politics, uh, the amount of enthusiasm you have for the podcast is honestly unthinkable for me because I didn't think that people would be this engaged. And I'm just so happy to know that you guys enjoy the podcast. So if you would like to support The Humanist Report as well, you can visit the links down below in the description box. Or if you don't want to send any money to us, as long as you watch the podcast that's what I care about the most. So, on today's episode, we have a really important show. So, first, I'll discuss the secret meeting held by Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch. Next, I'll discuss how more Bernie Berniecrats won their primaries, and I'll also talk about whether or not Bernie Sanders will endorse Hillary Clinton. And on the subject of Hillary Clinton, I'll discuss the suspicious omissions from Clinton's State Department calendar and what that might mean, as well as the illegal contributions her super PAC has taken. Now, additionally, I'll talk about the major protests that will be occurring at the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. And furthermore, the Democratic establishment is confused by Bernie Sanders, but that's not surprising because they're not too bright. So I'll discuss why they're confused and I'll break down why they shouldn't be confused. And finally, I will talk about Elizabeth Warren and how she could somehow justify endorsing Hillary Clinton after previously criticizing her for being corrupt over the bankruptcy bill. So all of these topics will be discussed in this episode. I'm going to jump right in with the Hillary Clinton email investigation because I think there's a lot of new details that are really important that we have to cover so hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. Bill Clinton initiated a private meeting on a private plane with Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Now, this news is troubling because as Attorney General, impartiality is not just expected but required from Loretta Lynch, seeing that she'll be tasked with potentially pursuing charges against Hillary Clinton if the FBI recommends an indictment. So, to hold a private meeting with the husband of the suspect... Well, the words conflict of interest come to mind. Now, of course, according to everyone else, we're being a little bit too hasty to jump to conclusions because Loretta Lynch contends that the meeting was just... Primarily social, so there's nothing to worry about, guys. And also, they talked about their grandchildren, golf, and their respective travels. Right, because Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch, they go way back as golf buddies. Oh, wait, I forgot that Bill Clinton actually used to golf at an all-white country club where Loretta Lynch would have been denied entrance. So that story probably isn't true, but I digress. Even if it is the case that the investigation was not discussed, which nobody is naive enough to believe that, well, did they not at least think of the optics and how this would look bad and look like corruption? I just don't see how you can not worry about that, and naturally, this meeting drew criticism from nearly everyone, in both parties. Even some Democrats were concerned about the meeting. So Politico explains, I do agree with you that it doesn't send the right signal, Senator Chris Coons said Thursday in response to a question about the meeting. I think she should have steered clear even of a brief casual social meeting with the former president. Coons, through his office later, walked back his assessment. Senator Coons believes that Attorney General Lynch has addressed this question and said they talked about their grandchildren travels and golf and nothing matters involving the department, Coons spokesperson Jonathan Cott said. "No. do you want to know what is a normal social gathering? If you go out to get coffee, if you take a walk together, but going on a private jet where nobody can hear what you're saying? That's not a primarily social meeting. Something is up. That's suspicious. And it's really telling that this guy walked back his criticism. And then he then used the same talking point. As the Justice Department saying that they were talking about uh grandchildren, travels, and golf. Now, you won't be surprised to know that Democratic leaders quickly rushed to Loretta Lynch's defense. So Senator Harry Reid said, I can't control who meets with whom. And he also said, Look at the other side, you've got Donald Trump, so we're satisfied with our candidate, and I think that she's doing pretty damn good. Who cares if there's evidence of corruption and that this looks suspicious? Look at the alternative, Donald Trump. <laughs> no words. Now, Senator Chuck Schumer said, well, she said nothing was discussed related to the investigation. Hey, genius. Of course she's going to say that. Do you think that if there actually was a quid pro quo, she's going to come out and say, yes, I actually can confirm that Bill Clinton offered me $100 million to not pursue charges against Hillary Clinton, and I have accepted them. Do you think she's going to do that? Come on. So we'll never know. This is suspicious. It looks like corruption. It looks bad. So even if it's the case that this is innocent, which nobody believes that, it looks really, really bad. If the Republicans did this, Democrats would all be collectively losing their minds. But because it's a Democrat, well, you know, it's okay. We can give them a pass for their corruption. Now, the White House defended Loretta Lynch, even though they did state that concerns about the meeting are legitimate. Now, White House Press Secretary Josh Ernest declined to say whether the meeting was appropriate. And according to The Hill, Ernest said Lynch's three decades in law enforcement show she is committed to impartiality. She certainly understands that investigations should be conducted free of political interference and consistent with the facts, he said. She's made clear that's the expectation she has for the way this investigation should be conducted. Now, many have called for Loretta Lynch to step down, and rightfully so, I believe. Now, some people may question whether or not this is too harsh, but I don't necessarily think that's the case, because if she simply recuses herself from this particular case, well... It's still a problem seeing that uh, she has bad judgment in other cases. Recusing yourself is something that you do at the beginning of the case because if she really is friends with Bill Clinton and they both go way back, it's too late to recuse yourself. And to show that she actually would meet with Bill Clinton during a criminal investigation of his wife, the suspect, it calls her judgment into question on every other issue. So no, I don't think it's too harsh to actually call for her to step down. However, with that being said... I do actually believe that Loretta Lynch came up with an accommodation that's actually reasonable surrounding this investigation. So according to the New York Times, she will accept the FBI's recommendation when they conclude their investigation. This right here changes everything because now she's saying, yes, I will take their recommendation and I will do what they say. If they recommend an indictment, I will pursue charges against Hillary Clinton and indict her. This is absolutely huge. So New York Times explains, Attorney General Loretta E. Lynch conceding that her airport meeting with former President Bill Clinton this week had cast a shadow over a federal investigation of Hillary Clinton's personal email account, said Friday that she would accept whatever recommendations that career prosecutors and the FBI director make about whether to bring charges in the case. She said that the case will be resolved by the same team that has been working on it from the beginning. The Attorney General said she had decided several months ago to defer to the recommendations of her staff and of the director of the FBI because her status as a political appointee sitting in judgment on a politically charged case would raise questions of a conflict of interest. So even if it's the case that she made a bad decision having this private meeting with Bill Clinton, it does seem as though she's self-aware enough to realize that this does not look good and it really makes her look bad." Now they continue. The meeting with Mr. Clinton, she acknowledged, only deepened those questions and she said she felt compelled to publicly explain her reasoning to try to put concerns to rest. Lynch explained, And I think that, again, I understand that my meeting on the phone with former President Clinton could give them another reason to have questions and concerns. While she insisted that the meeting was a purely social encounter, Miss Lynch said, I certainly wouldn't do it again. Miss Lynch described the questions raised by her meeting as personally distressing for her because they stained the reputation of the Justice Department. The fact that the meeting that I had is now casting a shadow over how people are going to view that work is something that I take seriously and deeply and painfully, she said. So here's where we're at and why there's reason to believe that a Hillary Clinton indictment is imminent. So, the investigation is now coming to an end, and prior to this week, although it was probably going to be the case that the FBI would recommend an indictment, which would still be a bombshell, well, many people believed that the Justice Department would not pursue charges anyway, because it is up to Attorney General Loretta Lynch's discretion. That changes everything. Now, furthermore, uh, if you look at the evidence, I would be shocked if the FBI did not recommend an indictment. I'll put links below... To the videos that i've done covering the topic so now because of this because she said that she will comply with the fbi's recommendation the chances that hillary clinton will actually be indicted has increased substantially in my opinion now the biggest question is timing Will this or won't this happen prior to the convention? Now, it's very possible that this actually will happen before the convention because according to the New York Times, quote, the FBI is expected to make a recommendation to the Justice Department in the coming weeks. Now, the thing about that is they can't make a recommendation until they actually meet with and interview Hillary Clinton. So she's the last piece in the puzzle. And until she gets interviewed, There's not going to be a recommendation. So according to an anonymous source with The Daily Caller, the FBI's interview with Hillary Clinton may take place on July 2nd, potentially in her home. Now, at the time that I'm recording this, no other source has confirmed this date. But we have reason to believe that this is true. One, because it's been in the making for weeks now. And two... Because there's no campaign events, this day is completely clear for Hillary Clinton. So if uh, she was going to meet with the FBI, it would be a good day because she's not going to leave her house and that wouldn't attract press and whatnot. And they can meet privately, they can question her, and they can do it quietly. So the press may not even know if it does actually happen. So this isn't implausible. Now, if that really is the case, that the FBI will be making a recommendation in the coming weeks, we now know that the Justice Department has intent to agree with the FBI and potentially pursue charges against Hillary Clinton. Now, if this happens, it may very well be before the convention, and everyone should hope that it happens then and that we get a recommendation before then, because if not, we're all screwed. But if this does happen, there's no conceivable way that Hillary Clinton can continue campaigning. She'd have to suspend her campaign immediately, because even though it's the case that she probably wouldn't be proven guilty in the court of law until after the November general election, well, you're already guilty in the court of public opinion, so you just can't continue on. She'd have to drop out. The pressure from everyone would be almost universal. There's no way she could conceivably continue this potentially signals a gigantic political upset. Now, anticipating the criticism that I'll receive from Hillary Clinton supporters, they're going to say, Mike, look at the Benghazi scandal. Nothing came of that. This will be the same exact way. Uh, this is the partisan sham, and there's no evidence that she did anything wrong. Actually, according to the White House, I repeat, the White House, currently occupied by Obama, a Democratic president who endorsed Hillary Clinton, confirmed that the FBI's investigation is driven by facts, not politics. So this week changes everything. It all comes down to that recommendation now. It's all in James Comey's hands. This is huge, and I know he's under a lot of pressure because (laughs) the entire country is watching. So don't screw this up, James. We've got some big news surrounding the Hillary Clinton email investigation. So FBI Director James Comey has announced that they are not recommending charges against Hillary Clinton after their nearly year-long investigation into her use of a private email server. Now, first and foremost, uh, let me preface this discussion by saying that I am not a conservative. I've gotten many messages from Hillary Clinton supporters saying that you Republicans need to move on and, you know, stop talking about the email, stop talking about Benghazi. Uh, but I've never spoken about Benghazi on this channel. Did Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama uh, mishandle that? Well, you can make that case, but there's no evidence of wrongdoing. Uh, So, that clearly was a right-wing witch hunt, but in this case, the email investigation, well, there is evidence of negligence and wrongdoing, as FBI Director James Comey did affirm. And in fact, to say that I'm Republican or partisan is completely incorrect. I'm actually a far leftist, even by European standards. So it's incorrect to say that I'm a Republican. Now, although there's evidence of wrongdoing and negligence, James Comey contends that intent is what's missing. Hence, the reason why he is not recommending uh, an indictment against Hillary Clinton. So because she never intended to send or receive classified email... They do not recommend charging her. Now, this is interesting because you'd think the fact that she set up a private email server in the first place is evidence of intent, but apparently that won't suffice. So with that being said, there are two main conclusions that we can take away from this. One is that this confirms that Hillary Clinton did in fact lie about whether or not she sent out or received classified information. Take a look.
1: Although we did not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws governing the handling of classified information, there is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. For example, seven email chains concern matters that were classified at the top secret, special access program at the time they were sent and received. Those chains involve Secretary Clinton both sending emails about those matters and receiving emails about those same matters.
0: I did not send classified material and I did not receive any material that was marked or designated classified.
1: There is evidence to support a conclusion that any reasonable person in Secretary Clinton's position, or in the position of those with whom she was corresponding about those matters, should have known that an unclassified system was no place for that conversation.
0: Now second, this confirms that we have two types of justice systems, one for the poor and one for the rich and the powerful. So James Comey admitted that even though there are often consequences for this type of behavior, they're deciding to let Hillary Clinton get away with it. Here's a clip of that.
1: To be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. To the contrary, those individuals are often subject to security or administrative sanctions, but that's not what we're deciding now.
0: No individual too powerful to jail. So that admission right there is incredibly telling. Now, look, I was partly right about this, but mostly wrong and naive overall. So I was right with respect to there being evidence of wrongdoing and negligence, uh, and James Comey stated that. So if you thought that there was a chance that the FBI would recommend an indictment, then you're not far off. And I thought that they probably would recommend an indictment. So this proves that not only was I wrong about that, but more importantly, I was incredibly naive with regards to whether or not the FBI would actually hold her accountable. I didn't believe that the Justice Department would actually pursue charges against her even if the FBI recommended it. Now, since Attorney General Loretta Lynch stated recently that she would accept the FBI's recommendation, well, I thought that the chances of her being indicted had actually increased substantially, seeing that there were many indications that the FBI would recommend an indictment. Now, this stems from the fact that they granted immunity to a top Hillary aide and also due to the evidence that came out in the findings of the OIG audit, which was scathing. Now, furthermore, there's a plethora of cases where lower-level officials were prosecuted for doing less than Clinton. So, for example, you have Thomas Drake, who was charged under the Espionage Act for revealing to Congress that the NSA surveillance program was doing unconstitutional things. Uh, Also, there's John Caracau. Wow who uh, leaked classified information uh, about someone involved in a torture case, and not to mention David Petraeus and Chelsea Manning. So since all of these people were charged, not all of them found guilty, of course, but since they were charged, I thought, well, you know, it's probably going to be the case that they at least indict Hillary Clinton, because, I mean, what is the famous saying? You could indict a ham sandwich if you wanted to. It's so simple. Uh, And I was so naive about that. Anyone who commented and said, Mike, you're being naive here because it's a Clinton. She's rich. She's powerful. She's powerful. She's going to get away with it. Uh, She's not going to be held accountable. And I had a little bit more faith in our justice system and the FBI than that. But you guys were totally correct. I was incredibly naive. So anyone who told me that I was naive should feel vindicated right now because I was. Uh, so look, I was wrong to believe that someone as rich and powerful as Hillary Clinton could be indicted. We have two justice systems, one for the rich and we have one for the poor. If Hillary Clinton was a peasant, she would have been indicted. If I did what Hillary Clinton did, I would have been indicted. Now, here's another thing. Do I think that Hillary Clinton would have actually been found guilty if she was indicted. Well, now I don't, but I maintain that, you know, that was up in the air prior to any recommendation because I thought that her legal defense, which is just to play dumb, would actually work, but I certainly thought that there was more than enough to at least indict, but obviously I was completely wrong. So this all but confirms that she is, in fact, going to be the Democratic nominee. The justice system has failed right here because there's clearly evidence of wrongdoing and negligence, as James Comey said there was. Was, but they just don't see any clear signs of intent, which means that they can't recommend an indictment. But in the end, Hillary Clinton will get away scot-free, even though she did mishandle classified information. So we have to figure out ways to affect change and get progressive policies instituted uh, by circumventing the White House, because clearly, you know, whoever gets in is probably not going to be representative of the people so we have to do what we can to continue the progressive revolution. When it comes to the lengths to which Hillary Clinton will go to skirt government transparency, by now I don't think there's much I can tell you that would actually be surprising, but nonetheless, there is a new chapter in that story. So according to CBS News and the Associated Press, there were multiple omissions in her State Department calendar that were really suspicious. So CBS News explains, Hillary Clinton appeared on the central balcony of the New York Stock Exchange to ring the opening bell just minutes after she attended a private breakfast in September 2009 with influential Wall Street and business leaders, but the identities of her breakfast guests would be left off her official State Department calendar, omissions that are among scores of names and events missing from Clinton's historical record of her daily activities as Secretary of State, an Associated Press review found. Clinton met that morning with a dozen chief executives, most of whose firms had lobbied the government and donated to her family's global charity, the Clinton Foundation. The event was closed to the press and merited only a brief mention in her official calendar, which omitted the names of all her guests. So in other words, she didn't want you to know that she was getting cozy with people who were donating to the Clinton Foundation because obviously that would look like a conflict of interest. So what does she decide to do? Instead of not having those types of breakfasts or meetings with them, she decides to just leave it off of her State Department calendar so nobody can know about it. (laughs) I'm not shocked, but it's just funny how each week it seems as though we find out a new revelation about Hillary Clinton and how she's either corrupt or doing more things to uh, skirt transparency. Now, the question is how many things were actually emitted from her State Department calendar? Well, official chronology of the events of her four-year term, identified at least 75 meetings with long-term political donors and loyalists, Clinton Foundation contributors, and corporate and other outside interests that were either not recorded or listed with identifying details scrubbed. The AP found the omissions by comparing the 1,500-page document with separate planning schedules supplied to Clinton by aides in advance of each day's events. The names of at least 114 outsiders who met with Clinton were missing from her. Her calendar. The records show. So, in other words, nothing suspicious here, guys. Move along. Come on. This is just the partisan attack. It's it's not Clinton being Clinton and being corrupt. It's this is just partisan, right? The Associated Press. They're right wing, right? <laughs> no, they're not. So uh, again, I I don't understand how Clinton supporters can hear about these types of news stories and still support her, but part of it is the media, because they don't report on these stories, they downplay it. So you can read about this on the Associated Press, but... Do you think CNN and MSNBC are actually going to cover these types of stories that expose someone who their parent company really wants to get elected because they're some of the biggest donors to Clinton? Well, of course not. So this all just gets swept under the rug. Meanwhile, uh, Hillary Clinton continues to make a joke of our democracy. Now, Nick Merrill, the campaign spokesman for Hillary Clinton, said, Clinton has always made an effort to be transparent since entering public life, whether it be the release of over 30 years of tax returns, years of financial disclosure forms, or asking that 50 55,000 pages of work emails from her time of Secretary of State be turned over to the public. Why the fuck you lying? Why, Why you always lying? Mm, oh my God. Stop fucking lying. You guys, we have to give it up for Nick Merrill because this guy has a future in comedy. He just said that Hillary Clinton is transparent. Oh, really? So is that why Huma Abedin, one of her closest aides, maintains that Hillary Clinton didn't want to run the risk of anything personal getting out? Is that why she wiped her server before handing it over to the FBI? Or is that why the State Department has confirmed that Hillary Clinton actually didn't turn in all of her work-related emails like she said? If that's what you call transparency, then that word no longer has meaning because Hillary Clinton is not transparent. So if you're really going to tell me that Hillary Clinton is transparent, Then you also have to tell me that war is peace, freedom is slavery, and ignorance is strength, because Hillary Clinton is the antithesis of transparency. So finally, the missing or heavily edited entries in her calendar included private dinners with political donors, policy sessions with groups of corporate leaders, and drop-bys with old Clinton campaign hands. Now, none of this is surprising to me, but what is revealing about the story is that the Associated Press actually tried to obtain the the calendar for the State Department back in August of 2013, back when Hillary Clinton actually was no longer Secretary of State. But the State Department tried to cover for her and didn't even state that they had the material. They couldn't confirm that they actually have her official State Department calendar, which obviously they do. So it wasn't until the Associated Press actually sued them that they released it two years later. And get this, this right here is not everything. This is only one third of everything. So there could be even more glaring omissions that we find out about. Again, Hillary Clinton, she is redefining the term corrupt. This is, I mean, it's brazen. It's absolutely brazen. She does what she wants. She's above the law and the rules don't apply to her. That's the way that Hillary Clinton has conducted business, that's the way that Bill Clinton conducts business, and it's just sickening. There's so many layers of corruption to Hillary Clinton that her fans are willing to disregard, and it's really sickening. They think that it's partisan attacks when this is all based on facts, it's non-partisan, this is Hillary Clinton. One thing that's been made abundantly clear this election cycle is that the rules don't apply to Hillary Clinton because she's above the law. Now, when you look at her super PACs and any pro-Clinton groups, that remains true because according to The Hill, a pro-Hillary group is violating campaign finance laws by taking money from companies that hold federal government contracts. They explain, a super PAC backing Hillary Clinton has accepted 200000 in donations from a company holding multiple contracts with the federal government, despite a ban on such contributions. According to a review of contributions by The Hill, Boston-based Suffolk Construction made two contributions of $100,000 to Priorities USA, which is backing the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee. At the time it made the contributions, Suffolk held multiple contracts worth $976,000 with the Department of Defense and the U.S. US Military Academy. So now the question is why would this matter? Well, it's because these donations from companies that have federal government contracts create a direct conflict of interest. So the Hill continues. The donations from Suffolk highlight how a 70-year-old campaign finance law meant to prevent pay-to-play deals between public officials and companies making money from the government is often ignored by those making the donations and those on the receiving end. The practice of skirting or openly flouting the contractor ban has become widespread in both congressional and presidential politics." So the question now is why would anyone do this if they're openly breaking federal laws? Well, it's because the Federal Elections Commission is currently deadlocked. So even if they wanted to act, even if they wanted to prosecute people who do break campaign finance laws, they can't because they are now in a partisan split between Democrats and Republicans, so they cannot do anything. And furthermore, because of previous Supreme Court decisions such as Buckley v. Valeo, Citizens United, McCutcheon, well, lawyers are now arguing that this is unconstitutional. And if you actually accept prior precedent from the Supreme Court, well, it's likely the case that the Supreme Court would agree with that. So even if uh, if Wolfpack, for example, saw that Priorities USA took $200,000 and violated campaign finance laws, and they decided to sue for this, well, what would happen? Eventually, this would get appealed to the Supreme Court and Priorities USA would be validated. They would most likely contend that it's okay that contractors from the federal government actually donate to candidate super PACs. So here's what it essentially comes down to. Hillary Clinton's super PAC is violating campaign finance laws, and do you really want to Pressure her to change anything because you could end up flipping rules and making it so that way this is legalized. And also, her response can be, Yeah, yeah you know, we're violating campaign finance laws. Yes, I do coordinate with my many super PACs. I have seven, and yes, I coordinate with all of them. Uh, they even admitted to it. David Brock, who is the head of multiple pro Clinton super PACs, admitted that he coordinates with the Clinton campaign. Uh, so, yeah, they coordinate and they're breaking campaign finance laws in a variety of ways, but the question is what are you going to do about it? You're going to try to challenge Hillary Clinton who represents the whole establishment who's above the law? You're not. So all these candidates, they do this, they break campaign finance laws, they coordinate with their super PACs. Their super PACs break what little campaign finance laws we have and there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. We are absolutely restricted from acting. The FEC is deadlocked. And meanwhile, our democracy is a complete joke because of this. So the fact that this is actually happening is not surprising because Hillary Clinton and pro-Hillary Clinton super PACs have proven that they will do any and everything required to win. They don't care if they have to slander Bernie Sanders, break the law, uh, and, and actually hurt our democracy. They don't care. The goal is for Hillary Clinton to win. Vice President Joe Biden assured everyone that Bernie Sanders is on the cusp of endorsing Hillary Clinton. Just you wait, guys. So he claims, I've talked to Bernie. Bernie's going to endorse her. This is going to work out. The Democrats are coalescing even before this occurs. Now, Joe Biden believes that this endorsement is imminent because Bernie Sanders spoke with Joe Biden about the talks that he's had with Hillary Clinton. So uh, Joe Biden probably misconstrued this as, well, they're talking about the endorsement. They're, you know ironing out all the concessions and what Hillary Clinton will give Bernie Sanders as a result of his endorsement, but that's not how Bernie Sanders operates. Now, Joe Biden talked about his plans on endorsing Hillary Clinton. He said, I understand the hardest thing to do is not writing the check. The hardest thing is vouching. When you vouch for them, you say, I'm putting my reputation on the line. I believe this person is a good person, has character, and that's what I'm prepared to do for Hillary. Well, you know what? You're right about one thing. She certainly has character, Joe, but... I don't necessarily know that I would say it's a character that's good or altruistic or... (laughs) Look, let's not get into the Hillary Clinton character thing because I I sense myself like I'm really fighting against a rant coming on We'll, we'll, make, we'll, you know, we'll keep that at bay because I, I've done it too many times on the show. But there's one thing wrong with Joe Biden's claim. It's false. Bernie Sanders had to smack him down and tell him, no, I'm not endorsing Hillary Clinton. So Bernie Sanders uh, was asked about this and he said, we are working with the Clinton campaign, trying to be able to come forward and say to my supporters, here's the progress that we have made. I hope that we can meet that goal. We are not there at this moment. So in other words, he's not going to endorse Hillary Clinton until he feels as though she's going to actually represent the people. But since he does not believe she is willing to represent the people, and she's given many indications that that will not be the case, well, he's not ready to endorse her because, like Joe Biden said, when you do endorse someone, you do put your reputation on the line. So Bernie Sanders doesn't want to endorse someone, I think less because of his reputation, but more so because he actually is worried that it's going to legitimize Hillary Clinton. So if he does, does, in fact, endorse her, then she can say, I'm a progressive. I'm proud to have the endorsement of Senator Bernie Sanders. And then she doesn't have to do anything. She could just claim that she's a progressive, as she has been doing all along when we know that she's not a progressive in actuality. So Bernie Sanders is not going to just give his endorsement over to Hillary Clinton if he doesn't feel like she's going to represent the people. And you're going to be waiting a while, Bernie, because I've got news for you, man. She's not going to help you out there. She doesn't care about the people She's running for president because she's narcissistic. That's it. Now, I fully expect Bernie Sanders to actually endorse Hillary Clinton if it is the case that he doesn't become the Democratic nominee because at the beginning of his campaign, he said that he would support whoever did win the nomination. And I believe Bernie Sanders. He's principled. He sticks to his word. So I don't think you can hold it against him like Elizabeth Warren. He didn't trip over himself to endorse Hillary Clinton like Elizabeth Warren did. Bernie Sanders is holding out because he wants to make sure that she's actually going to represent progressives. Spoiler alert, not going to happen, but he's really making sure that he's going to endorse her only if she's going to represent us. Now, I don't think he should endorse her at all because it's not going to matter in the end. His endorsement will have no bearing on my vote. I still won't vote for Hillary Clinton. I think the majority of his supporters still won't vote for Hillary Clinton. So I don't think he's actually going to influence anyone to switch over to Hillary Clinton. He's made this point, and rightfully so. But the Democratic establishment doesn't see it that way. They saw how Hillary Clinton supporters fell in line uh, when she endorsed Obama in 2008. But what they don't get is that we're not like Hillary Clinton's supporters. We're human. They're sheep. <laughs> So in the end, this is frustrating that Joe Biden actually had the nerve to try to falsely claim that Bernie Sanders would be endorsing Hillary Clinton. He did this before uh, when it comes to President Obama supporting same-sex marriage. He kind of jumped the gun and spilled the beans a little bit early. But I think that what he's doing here is he's trying to actually galvanize Bernie Sanders and trying to actually pressure him to uh, endorse Hillary Clinton. Because if he says, well, you know, Bernie's going to do it, then maybe he actually will do it and fall in line but you're dealing with bernie sanders someone who's principled and is not going to fall in line so bernie sanders should never endorse hillary clinton because it won't matter hillary clinton is not a progressive bernie sanders is so his endorsement won't matter to his supporters and it just legitimizes hillary clinton who is a conservative so no don't do it bernie hold out forever do not endorse her So, there is a viral video featuring Elizabeth Warren on Bill Moyer where she describes how Hillary Clinton changed her position on a bankruptcy bill after taking money from special interests that pushed for it. Now most of you have seen it, I actually played it on the last episode of the Humanist Report, uh, and we all also know that last week, uh, Hillary Clinton was endorsed by Elizabeth Warren. Now, with that in mind, she was on The View to talk about her endorsement and to talk about her brave attacks on Donald Trump. And I was actually blown away by the fact that they actually asked her a real substantive question. So they decided to ask Elizabeth Warren how she could endorse Hillary Clinton in spite of the fact that she criticized Hillary Clinton for changing her position as a result of taking money from special interests. Here's what she had to say.
1: Back in your book, you. Dev- voted a couple of pages in your book uh, to this bankruptcy legislation with then First Lady Hillary Clinton. She pledged to stop it, she did, but then she flip-flopped when she was a senator. You blamed it on campaign contributions. Can you unequivocally say that she has never changed a view based on donations?
0: Look, she has said now that she regrets that vote, and I appreciate that because what she has also said as she has run for president is that she will put more restrictions on Wall Street and that she will veto any legislation to roll back any of the financial reforms we put in after the last crash. And, you know, when you compare that with where Donald Trump and the Republicans are, Donald Trump has already offered his big wet kiss to Wall Street. He has said, hey, guys, if I get in, I'm going to roll back all of those financial regulations because they make it too hard for the banks to cheat people. Well, to me, that's a huge difference. And one reason I wanted to be out there to campaign for Hillary Clinton yesterday. So basically, she has three main reasons as to why she could still endorse Hillary Clinton. One is that Hillary Clinton said she regrets that vote. Okay. Two is that uh, Hillary Clinton contends that she will put more restrictions on Wall Street. Uh, And three, Look at the alternative. It's Donald Trump. I mean, do you really want Donald Trump to become the next president? Look, I'm not denying uh, that Donald Trump will most likely give away a lot to Wall Street and the rich. Just look at his tax plan. Uh, But I want to touch on each of those three points because I think Elizabeth Warren is wrong. Now, first, she says that Hillary Clinton regrets her vote. Let me tell you why that's not persuasive. Because Hillary Clinton regrets a lot. She regrets her vote for the Iraq war. She also regrets lobbying for the 1994 crime bill that increased mass incarceration of African-Americans and Latinos. She regrets calling them super predators. And also, she regrets that she lobbied for and supported the Defense of Marriage Act, which banned marriage at the federal level for LGBT people. And she also probably regrets her support for Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which banned gay people from serving openly in the military. And I'm sure she also regrets calling the TPP the gold standard. Now, at the end of the day, I don't necessarily care as much about what she regrets so much as I care about what she doesn't regret. Hillary Clinton currently doesn't regret the fact that she voted for the Patriot Act or that she pushed for intervention in Libya or that she only supports a $12 minimum wage or that she supports the death penalty Or she doesn't support legalizing marijuana, or that she doesn't care about the fact that she supported a coup in Honduras, or that she fought against the $0.61 minimum wage in Haiti, or how she thinks Edward Snowden is a criminal but she isn't. So those things that she doesn't regret but should are what scare me the most about Hillary Clinton. Now, here's why Elizabeth Warren is wrong. So you described an explicit example as to how Hillary Clinton changed her position on a policy because of money she received. That's direct evidence of corruption, but if she proved that she has the capacity to be corrupted, in which that's not the only example, but with that one example, even if you isolate that incident where she took money uh, from special interests who wanted the bankruptcy bill passed, well, doesn't that prove that she has the capacity to be corrupted? Thus, she's likely to do it again in the future? I mean, are you not worried about other special interests donating to her? Because she is taking money virtually from every special interest in existence, And furthermore, what if we extrapolate that logic anywhere else? So Elizabeth Warren, uh, she's really hard on Wall Street, right? She wants to break up the big banks and reinstate Glass-Steagall. Well, what if we apply that same logic? What if uh, Wall Street contends that they really regret crashing the economy in 2008? Well, look, they regret it. They said they regret it. I appreciate that, right? So why should we do any more regulation on them? They said that they regret it. So shouldn't we forgive them, Elizabeth Warren? I mean, why is that argument any less ridiculous than the one you're making? It's not. Now, getting to her second point, she says that Hillary Clinton claims she will put more regulations on Wall Street uh, and veto any efforts to deregulate Wall Street further, except the regulations that she's proposing won't suffice, Elizabeth. You know this more than most people, which is why this is incredibly frustrating. She's not in favor of reinstating Glass-Steagall, and she's not in favor of breaking up the big banks. And you are. Furthermore, her type of reform will be like the Dodd-Frank reform where it doesn't do much and ultimately will just be watered down over time, but the Democrats will still brag about it as though they accomplished this big achievement. It doesn't do much. It still doesn't reign in Wall Street. They're still going crazy. They're still gambling with our money and the banks are bigger than ever and they're not broken up yet. So, that's what Hillary Clinton wants to propose. And furthermore, do you really think she's going to veto every bill? Because what Republicans and Democrats will do is they'll sneak in uh, legislation to deregulate Wall Street into spending bills and other bills that aren't related. So, of course— She's going to allow them to deregulate Wall Street. She's going to want them to deregulate Wall Street because she's taking millions of dollars from them. And furthermore, she's given private speeches to Goldman Sachs and refuses to release those transcripts, so she doesn't even want us to know what she said to them. So, do you really think that she's going to be hard on Wall Street? Do you really buy that, Elizabeth Warren? I don't think you do. I think you're smarter than that. I know that you don't believe Hillary Clinton gives a damn about reforming Wall Street, but... Becoming her vice president is more important to you, apparently, Elizabeth, so you prioritized your own self-interest above the interest of the American people. That's not very progressive at all. Now, finally, she trots out the most tired argument in the universe, the lesser of two evils argument. Well, look, do you really not want to support Hillary Clinton and risk a Donald Trump presidency? Uh, no, you don't get to make that argument, Elizabeth, because you could have supported someone who was not Hillary Clinton. You could have supported Bernie Sanders. You could have endorsed him, endorsed him in Massachusetts, and maybe that wouldn't have led to him winning altogether, but it could have given him the edge in uh, Massachusetts. It could have given him more media coverage, just like your endorsement of Hillary Clinton is getting you more media coverage now. So don't give me that bullshit argument. You could have done more to give us something better than the lesser of two evils. You could have given us an actual real progressive option, but you decided not to do that. You decided to run away from your principles. You decided to endorse Wall Street itself. So don't give me that bullshit. You don't get to make that argument. We had the choice. You had the choice. And you said no. Here's what Elizabeth Warren doesn't even realize why is it does she ever think why do they never cover her in the media when she rails against wall street when she talks about breaking up the big banks why is it that her fellow democrats in the senate never commend her when she does these things that they kind of plug their ears and run away does she ever question hmm maybe i'm just being a stooge for hillary clinton and the democratic establishment and maybe they're only trotting me out here because i'm supporting hillary clinton maybe they don't actually give a shit about any of my progressive policies Uh, when it comes down to it. Maybe I'm only here because I'm being a stooge and a puppet for Hillary. So the conclusion is that Elizabeth Warren embarrassed herself. I've said it before, I'll say it again. You completely embarrassed yourself. Uh, You sold yourself out. Because by endorsing Hillary Clinton, you're endorsing Wall Street and Monsanto and the big businesses that you always rail against. So you did this because you really want to be the VP. How embarrassing is that? You are willing to prioritize your own self-interest above your principles, and the worst part is that you didn't have to just be the VP. You could have been the president. If you would have run against Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders probably wouldn't have entered the race, and you probably would have won. Like, this was all done for nothing. You sold yourself out for nothing. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's really frustrating and just downright embarrassing. And I get criticism, even from more progressives, because I criticize Elizabeth Warren. And look, I'm not making her public enemy number one. I don't hate Elizabeth Warren. I'm not out to destroy her career. I'm just saying that this is someone who was a hero to me forever, And she sold herself out, she sold herself short, and she is now a stooge for the Democratic establishment that she used to fight against, and it's just so frustrating to me. So on the one hand, Bernie Sanders refuses to concede and drop out of the presidential race, uh, and he refuses to endorse Hillary Clinton, but on the other hand, he says that he will probably vote for Hillary Clinton and he's going to do any and everything he can to stop Donald Trump. So, this right here is really confusing to members of the Democratic establishment because they don't know what his endgame is and they're perplexed. So for example, former Senator Kent Conrad says, So far, Sanders has been riding a wave of good feelings in the sense he ran in an incredible campaign, but that has a pretty short shelf life, and then people start looking at you through a different lens, and that lens is, are you a team player? And do you have the larger picture in mind, or are you just focused on yourself? At some point, pretty soon, he crosses the threshold. He may have already crossed it so let me translate what he's saying for you bernie what are you doing man i mean aren't you a team player aren't you gonna fall in line for hillary clinton after we rigged the entire democratic primary against you i mean after we scheduled the debates on weekends when nobody would watch after we banned you from accessing your own voter data files i mean aren't you willing to join up with us and be a team player Or are you just selfish, Bernie Sanders? I mean, even though there was rampant election fraud this season, aren't you going to be a team player now? Come on. It's so frustrating because they don't get it. It's not selfish. He's doing this because he cares about the policies, and unfortunately, he's failing in many regards to actually change the Democratic Party because they're very resistant to change. They don't want to change. They want to continue to represent their corporate interests. Case in point... Uh, The official DNC platform endorses the TPP. Now, that's not super surprising considering the sitting president, Barack Obama, actually supports it. But I mean, are you going to be progressive and represent the people or are you not? Now, when it comes to former governor of Pennsylvania, Ed Rendell, he said, I'm confused by it. If he wants to speak in primetime at the convention, then he has to suspend his campaign. If I was leading the movement and I wanted to convince the American people that the movement was correct, then I'd want to speak in prime time. But apparently, he must not want to because he hasn't thrown in the towel. This is beyond condescending because this reminds me of if you're like a parent and you're trying to bribe your kid with like a cookie. Well, don't you want the cookie? Well, you better behave. Otherwise, I'm going to give it to your brother or your sister. This is what this sounds like. Bernie, I mean, don't you want to speak at the primetime event? Look how great this speaking gig is at the DNC. Don't you want that? Shouldn't you drop out? It's so frustrating to me that they would talk to him like this. He's not doing it for himself. He's not in this to get anything out of it. He didn't even want to run for president. He's over 70 years old. I mean, he's doing this because he legitimately cares about the people. Uh, so when you look at Hillary Clinton and Debbie do anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz's appointees, well, they rejected many progressive proposals. So after that, after it's the case that the Democratic Party still doesn't want to represent progressives, I don't think Bernie Sanders has any reason to drop out or endorse Hillary Clinton ever. Progressive voters have no representation When it comes to the Democratic Party, all the ideas that we care about actually fighting against the TPP, banning fracking, we have no representation. Both parties support fracking. So, I mean, is this or is it not a democracy? It's so, so frustrating. And then they have the audacity to actually talk down to us after they spit in our faces and give us the middle finger. I just hate it. I, this is why July 29th is Dump Dems Day. If Bernie Sanders isn't the nominee, then I don't want to be a part of this party anymore. We've tried to actually reform them from within. And now, since we can't do that, we have to try to reform them uh, externally, outside of the party. So that way we can show them that we mean business. We will not support them if they betray us. So no, he shouldn't drop out. And if anything, he should actually endorse Jill Stein if he's going to give any endorsements just to give them the middle finger the way that they did to him. So this is extremely frustrating. Of course, they're perplexed though, because they're idiots. They can't understand why he would want any leverage in reshaping the party because they think he's just doing it for himself because they're projecting, because they're very greedy, they're very narcissistic and only care about their political career. So they think that Bernie Sanders is doing the same thing when he's not doing that. So I am happy to report on some really great news surrounding the progressive political revolution. Two new Berniecrats, Zephyr Teachout and Misty Snow, have won their Democratic primaries. Now, when it comes to Zephyr Teachout, she is running for Congress in the 19th District of New York, and she won by a 46 point margin with a vote of 73 to 27 percent. Now, she's been an outspoken advocate to get money out of politics, and she initially gained notoriety in 2014 with her gubernatorial campaign. she ultimately lost unfortunately but now she's back and uh, better than ever presumably. Now uh, she is set to face off against Republican John Faso but she actually has a really great chance of winning because she's not facing an incumbent and Obama carried District 19 of New York in both 2008 and 2012 so the odds of her actually getting in are pretty high, so this is really great news. Now here's why Zephyr T. Chow's campaign is important. So she supports actual campaign finance reform, and that means public financing of elections, which I'm ecstatic about. Uh, she also wants legislation codified into law that prohibits members of Congress from becoming lobbyists immediately after they leave office. which is a phenomenal idea. I actually would support a lifetime ban, but I mean, I will take what I can get. I think this is a fantastic idea that nobody else is proposing. Now, she's also against the TPP uh, and she will be pushing for renewable energy and she is in favor of making it easier for workers to unionize. So, she is... Amazing. So everything about her indicates that she's very close to Bernie Sanders, policy-wise. So for everyone who feels disenchanted with Elizabeth Warren, meet your new Elizabeth Warren. Uh, And what's great about Zephyr Teachout is that she's charismatic, uh, and I think she's popular enough that she could potentially be setting herself up for a presidential run in 2020, 2024... Who knows? But she is really important to the progressive political revolution. Now when it comes to Misty Snow, I actually might be a little bit more excited about her than Zephyr Teachout, considering she is basically the female equivalent of Bernie Sanders. So she wants to get money out of politics and supports public financing of elections. She supports a $15 minimum wage. Uh, she believes healthcare is a human right and supports a single payer system. Uh, she wants to legalize marijuana and also is in support of free college for all. Now, the reason why I'm more excited for her is because we don't necessarily know Zephyr Teachout's positions with respect to healthcare. care, uh, if she supports a single-payer system or free college for everyone. Uh, but I would guess that she is, since she's not taking corporate money. Uh, but Misty is very, very close to Bernie Sanders. Now, here's what's particularly interesting about Misty Snow. She's actually only a grocery store clerk. So someone who works at a grocery store, who's part of the working class, launched a campaign for Senate and won her primary. That's crazy. Now, also, uh, what is fantastic about her is that her nomination win is historic because she is the first ever transgender woman to win a Democratic primary. So all around, uh, not only does she have the policies, but... I just love her in general. The fact that she works in a grocery store means that she actually empathizes with the working class because she's part of the working class. The fact that she made history is also commendable when there's a lot of discrimination and bigotry against transgender people. So Misty Snow is the MVP, man. Now, here's for the bad news about Misty Snow. So she is running for the Senate in Utah. Um, And for those of you who don't know, which all two of you... Utah is a very conservative state. It's a red state. They haven't elected a Democratic senator in almost 40 years. And currently, when you look at public opinion polls, she is 14 points behind. But when you look at where she's at in the polls with respect to previous Democratic uh, opponents to Republicans, she's actually polling a little bit better. So there's hope. But uh, if we want to get her elected, we have to help her out. Now, the one thing that's really frustrating is that uh, she was on MSNBC and they did nothing but focus on the fact that she's transgender. She did not get to speak about policies at all. And uh, they just kept going back to that because, of course, MSNBC is not a liberal or progressive network, uh, so they don't want to hear about Misty's policies, so they only talked about her identity. And that's something that even Misty did not like. Take a look.
1: But you don't want the historic nature of your candidacy to dominate uh, the talk of your candidacy, right? Yeah, no, that's just kind of one of those uh, facts about me. I just happen to be uh, trans. But otherwise, I'm, you know, I'm a very uh, passionate person. I care a lot about working class people and, you know, coming from a working class background, I feel that I could uh, be a good representative, to working class people in Washington. 30-year-old transgender woman, transgender nominee. Transgender woman, you are transgender woman. You are a cashier, which may make it more challenging than actually being a transgender woman, that you don't have a political background. Comment on you being a transgender woman.
0: So, in the end, Zephyr Teachout and Misty Snow are people definitely to look out for. I mean, we have other Bernie Kratz that won Jamie Raskin, uh, we have Alan Grayson, uh, potentially Tim Canova. Uh, Hopefully, he'll win against Debbie Do Anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz. But, I mean, we're slowly but surely making progress with our progressive revolution. And it starts with these two ladies. And what's great is that, you know, they're just like Bernie Sanders in terms of policy. And we need people like that fighting in Congress for what's right. So, I am absolutely ecstatic about their wins. Hillary Rodham Clinton is the most disliked person to ever win the Democratic nomination, and thankfully, Bernie Sanders supporters are not willing to just fall in line. So with that being said, what are they going to do about it? Well, anywhere between twenty to 30,000 are expected to protest the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia, and if you would like to participate, you can visit the website OccupyDNCConvention.com or check out their Facebook page. Now, on their Facebook page, they actually supply people with a bevy of documents detailing how you can peacefully protest, how you can do civil disobedience, and it's extremely helpful, so I would recommend checking it out if you do plan to go there. Now, on their uh, website, they encourage others to join. They say this page is to bring all Bernie Sanders supporters together at the DNC convention to fight for the will of the people, Bernie Sanders nomination, not a fraudulent Hillary nomination. Our massive numbers in a peaceful alliance will tell the story. Join us. We have the permits for marching, rallies and festivities each day of the convention, and have created a site to organize together. Now, as was previously stated, they have obtained the proper permits needed to march, But what's great is that the city actually issued out other permits to other groups who also plan to protest the DNC. Uh, And furthermore, even groups who aren't necessarily associated with Bernie Sanders are pledging to protest. So there is one group called the Philly Coalition for Real Justice, and they're going to be protesting the Democratic Party's numerous betrayals of the African-American community because they love paying lip service to African-Americans, and they only do this once every two and four years for midterms and presidential elections, so what they're doing is they're saying, look, are you actually going to represent us or not? Because if they are, then there's several things they can do. They can abolish private prisons, they could demilitarize the police, uh, they can uh, mandate body cameras, and look, you don't even necessarily have to win these things, you could just introduce a bill, but the fact that Democrats have not really done much to uh, further this movement... It's just really telling that they don't actually care about African-American citizens. So I think that this protest from the uh, Philly Coalition for Real Justice is necessary, and I just like that there's a bunch of people that will come together for a good cause to protest the Democratic National Convention, which is just not representative of the people. But we all know that members of the Democratic Party are only free to act in so far as their donors will allow it and loosen their leash. So in other words... They're not going to do anything, and they don't care about us, as they've shown time and again throughout the course of this election. So, in conclusion, not only is this uh, necessary, I think this is great. I think this is potentially historic. If it really is the case that the twenty to 30,000 which are expected to turn out do turn out, that is huge. That sends a huge statement to the Democratic Party. Now, whether or not they'll be receptive to that message is an entirely different story, but the fact that this is happening... It just shows that Bernie Sanders really did initiate a revolution. I mean, we are not falling in line. We're not voting for the lesser of two evils. We are actually fighting for someone who will represent us, Bernie Sanders, and we're fighting to remake the Democratic Party in the image of Bernie Sanders who will pursue the issues of the people. So I applaud every single person who's going to be there. If you want to join, visit the website. I will have the links down below in the description box. Well, that is everything I've got for you guys today. If the news stories that I've covered today are any indication of what's to come, then we are in for a wild ride over the next couple of weeks, and I will be more than happy to report on it. If I can, I will try to do breaking news stories throughout the week because it's really difficult to only report on these uh, these news stories once per week on Fridays. So if there's something big enough, I will get to you guys sooner. You can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, and like the Humanist Report Facebook page for immediate updates. Um, but in the end, look, I just have to thank everyone again for tuning in uh, every single week. You guys are so amazing. Uh, thank you to my subscribers, to my Patreon patrons, to all of the members on humanistreport.com, and to people who uh, watch the podcast just in general. You guys are absolutely amazing and you make this podcast possible. The fact that I have so many people willing to listen and who cares enough about these political stories that i think are very important and are generationally uh, defining uh it's great i love it so i will see you guys next week hope you guys all have a good day